welcome to the One in One Podcast, where a below-average podcaster chats with an above-average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. Today's guest is a good friend of mine, and while I wouldn't call him an above-average athlete, I definitely call him an above-average tech support for this podcast, and he has an interesting story involving athletics. Sean Dugan was a student manager for the Rutgers basketball team during Mike Rice's tenure as head coach. And he has a very different opinion than the media portrayal of Rice's player abuse scandal. I think it's going to be interesting to discuss. I'm not sure I'll agree with him, but it'll be cool to talk about. Sean, welcome to the show. Bridget, thank you so much for having me. Of course, and thank uh, you for all your help with the pod. No problem at all. I was uh, honored to help you get it set up. Um, I'm devastated to hear that you don't think of me as an above-average athlete, but I'll have to live with that. I'm sorry to hurt your feelings. You're a good basketball <laughs> player. I've seen you hit some threes. I'm decent. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't toot my own horn too much. I, I just know how to be in the right places at the right time. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> it's good enough. And to give some background, I didn't know you. We, we didn't know each other when we were in college. So I didn't know you at Rutgers. We became friends after college because we have mutual friends, um, and we bonded over our mutual love of basketball. And ironically, in this friends group, they are diehard hockey fans. So we would have to usually sneak away for a conversation about the NBA finals or the NCAA tournament. A couple months ago, we literally like burst into their house to watch the final like minute of the Elite Eight game. I think it was Virginia versus Purdue. Correct. And we're often uh, ridiculed for those moments because... uh, Hockey households just don't seem to understand basketball, but it is what it is, and you you live on. Yeah, it's our bond. Can you talk about your love for basketball and how it led you to Rutgers and to become a student manager? Sure, yeah. Um, so I've loved basketball my whole life, really. When I was a little kid, I used to sit around with uh, play uh, the sketchboard and do the X's and O's thing, do it, run up plays. I always did uh, fantasy basketball, always kept an eye on the news, uh, player transactions, things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, as life went on, I played basketball my whole life at the recreation level, wasn't able to play in college or anything like that. Um, I got into Rutgers, and upon getting into Rutgers, I emailed the basketball program explaining my love of the game, basically that – I had been an avid basketball fan my whole life. I'd love to be a part of their team. And uh, fortunately enough, they reached back out to me and said, let's do it. And uh, I got very fortunate there, I feel like, because I think that it's highly sought out to be a student manager, especially at a big university like that with tens of thousands of students. Um, they definitely they'll just accept everybody who comes their way. So I was, it was definitely a privilege to get to work for them. And so they emailed you that, but once you got to campus, did you have to interview or do any sort of tryout? You know, that's a good question, and I don't entirely remember, but I feel like chances are there must have been some type of sit-down before uh, I was completely initiated. And student managers do a lot of work. Can you talk about the day-in and day-out details of what you would do? Yeah, so uh, it's a very involved volunteer gig. Um, there were definitely uh, moments where we were working 40 or so hours volunteer, uh, volunteering. Um, a lot of what we did had to do with day-to-day team operations. Uh, if there was a practice, we'd have to be there an hour before, stay 
uh, until an hour afterwards, basically setting up practice, making sure there's Gatorade and water by the court. There's towels all around the court, uh, basketballs, rebounding, passing in drills, uh, standing ready on the sideline with a towel over your shoulder and a basketball in hand just in case you have to wipe up some sweat or throw a ball back into a drill. Uh, aside from being a part of uh, day-to-day practice, we were responsible for office work, uh, setting up mailers being sent out to schools, uh, recruiting visits, things of that nature. Um, also try to set up some of the logistics that have to do with taking road trips. Uh, but yeah, that, that would pretty much sum it up. It was a lot of work. Yeah, sounds like it. And how many student managers were there? We had, I believe, 12 or so at a time. Okay. Which, yeah, I really commend um, you for... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, it's all right. Uh, yeah, it's, it sounds like a lot, but really there's, there's so much that goes on that uh, you could really need all the help you could get, especially when it comes to uh, game day and things of that nature. We have a few people taking care of uh, players' tickets that they have set aside for their families. Then you have a bunch of the other guys just being absolute gophers for the coaching staff because the coaching staff has no time at that point to be running around the facility. You just have to stand by and wait for them to shout, shout orders, shout them in. Uh, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a big staff, and it was, uh, it was needed. And uh, I got to work with some great, great people that, at Rutgers. That's awesome. And I really commend you for doing that because you're not getting paid for it. You have classes. And I'm sure in, in some respects you also want some time to be a normal college student. Sure. And it was hard to find that balance at times uh, because you're a full-time student and you basically have more or less during the season a full-time job. And uh, there were a lot of times where I'd be getting ready for practice, ready for games, missing out on just hanging out, going out to parties, whatever the case might be. But uh, I love doing it. So at, at the end of the day, it was worth it for me. But it, it definitely was a sacrifice, I, I'll tell you that. Probably taught you some good time management skills that you use to this day. For sure, absolutely. Um, a lot of discipline, uh, especially when it came to the basketball offseason, we had a lot of workouts. They'd be five in the morning. We'd have to be there for. So uh, there, there was stuff like that and long hours, uh, long hours spent doing things you wouldn't necessarily want to be doing as part of a basketball program, stuffing envelopes with letters, things like that. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of discipline you can learn from a gig like that. Did you get to travel to the away games? Uh, a few here and there. I was able to travel to, I believe, four games when it was said and done. Okay, so not every student manager goes to every game. That's right. Uh, generally goes by seniority. So we had, at any given time, at, uh, two or three seniors that were student managers. Uh, they would travel to just about all the road games. And then aside from that, the underclassmen would cycle, and uh, we'd get to go on one every once in a while. I didn't manage there up until my senior year, so I actually never got to go through a season where I was traveling to every game. Okay. 
That's right, you transferred. Right. What was your favorite place that you did get to go? Uh, my favorite place I got to go would probably have to be Louisville. The Yum Center? Yes, it was unbelievable, to be honest. Um, yeah, I see it on it TV. Was, it, it looks popping. Yeah, that's a, that's a great word for it. It was probably the loudest arena I've ever been to to this day. Um, at one point during the game, they announced that Muhammad Ali was sitting courtside. Uh, oh, he was that's still awesome. alive at the time. And after they announced that, I don't think I've ever seen any type of standing ovation like that in my life. Wow. That's a cool experience. Yeah, it was cool. Um, I also got to go up to Syracuse, which was probably right up there with that. The, the dome is something else in itself. Yeah, that must be huge. I haven't been there. Gigantic. I've been to a few NBA arenas, and uh, the dome may be bigger than, than a typical NBA arena. I believe it, because it's also the football dome, right? Uh, that I actually can't give you a for sure answer on. I think it is. I don't know. We'll fact check afterwards. Sure. And did you have any experiences with the women's coach, C. Vivian Stringer? I didn't really so much. Little conversation here and there. Um, I was a little starstruck by her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a but legend there. She's an absolute legend there. And uh, that was my freshman year. What they had going on with the women's program was certainly bigger than anything we had going on with our men's program. Um, yeah, I didn't really get to interact with her all too much, but she seemed like an absolute lovely person. Um, she, I have nothing, nothing bad to say about her for sure. So your first year as manager was under head coach Fred Hill. He went 15-17 and 17 that season, and overall his record had been 44-77 and 77 and 13-57 and 57 in the Big East. He was fired after the season, and then Mike Rice was hired. What was the feeling like around the program when Rice was hired? Uh, there was a lot that went into it. Um, Fred Hill wasn't honestly known as a great uh, X's and O's guy or a great motivator so much, but he definitely was known as a phenomenal recruiter. Uh, we had a lot of talent on that team. We had an All-American, which... Um, I may be wrong about this, but I'm almost certain that Rutgers hasn't gotten an All-American since Mike Rosario. That was uh, one of our players that left when Fred Hill was fired uh, because he was recruited by him. Uh, Gregory Echenique being another. Um, so the program kind of got completely revamped. Uh, the guys that did remain were a little bit just uh, curious to see what the next direction was going to be, what Mike Rice was going to be like. And it turned out that he was uh, a completely different world as opposed to Fred Hill in terms of the way he ran a basketball team. So Rice coached for three seasons from 2011 to 2013. In 2011, he went 15 and 17. 2012, he went 14 and 18. And 2013, he went 15 and 16. So to me, it sounds like it was pretty unsuccessful. Do you have a different view of that? I mean, when it comes down to it, your job as a coach is to try to put together a winning product, and he failed to do that. Um, but I would say that I feel like he did a fairly good job with the talent he had. 
he didn't really have any standout athletes on that team. At the end of the day, we had a lot of guys who were willing to play team basketball and were pretty solid fundamentally, but no guys that were really standout athletes, no one with elite speed or quickness, uh, no big shot blockers or anything of that nature. So at the end of the day, uh, not a winning program. That's, that's what defines the, the successful. So he didn't do that, but I do think that he did a, a pretty good job with the talent that he had. And to be fair, it was in the old Big East, which is the best basketball conference, in my opinion, or at least it was. And that was just a grind of great teams in every, every night. It was loaded. Every single night, it felt like I was seeing a different NBA player. Yeah, I miss it was, those days. It was unreal. So to address the elephant in the room, Mike Rice was fired in April of 2013 after videotapes surfaced of him shoving, grabbing, throwing balls at players, and cursing at players. It became a national story. SNL even made a skit about it. Did you see that one? You know, I heard about it, but I never actually sat down and watched the SNL skit. I'm going to have to do that one day. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Melissa McCarthy, I believe, plays Mike Rice. Yeah, she's phenomenal. (laughs) So anyway, the governor called for Rutgers to fire him. Basically, Rutgers was pressured into firing him, even though the video wasn't news to them. The athletic director had received the tape that November, and Rice was fined. He was suspended three games, and he was forced to attend anger management. Can you explain what you thought about the, the whole situation and what you thought while you were there as a manager? Yeah, so as a manager, there were definitely times when we were looking around at each other like, is this actually happening? Uh, like, this guy's a psychopath. <laughs> but... Um, there was, a, there was a real team camaraderie around what was happening, believe it or not. Uh, Mike Rice was abrasive verbally, physically. Um, he would throw his weight around. And that's definitely, he definitely pushed his limits when it came to that. But at the same time, I feel like he was trying to create an atmosphere where he was trying to pull that aggressiveness out of his own guys. And that's definitely not... Um, look upon with uh, kind eyes in our society uh, to use those methods. But I think he was certainly successful in getting his team to believe in his mission, believe in what was going on. And uh, at the end of the day, those guys were ready to run through a wall for him um, for the most part. Maybe, maybe there was one or two guys who were a little bit pushed over the edge by his tactics and antics. But when it came to uh, the firing of Mike Rice, I thought that, like you said, uh, Tim Pernetti, the athletic director, had already received the tapes beforehand. So it was a lot of damage control when there was a big public reaction to the tapes. Um, Tim Pernetti, the AD, he attended a lot of our practices. And... Some might say that Mike Rice kind of put on his happy face when Pernetti was there. He uh, displayed his best behavior, but 
only to an extent. Uh, Ternetti certainly knew who Mike Rice was. He knew the way he coached. And um, the only reason he was fired was because of the public reaction that the uh, that those videos caused. Did the athletic director see him throw balls at the players and curse? I mean, he used homophobic slurs. He definitely did, yes. And I don't know for sure if the athletic director saw that stuff. Um, I wouldn't be able to say definitely, but I would say that more likely than not, he had a good idea of everything that was going on. He was uh, not a hands-off athletic director. He showed his face fairly often. And even though Mike Rice may have been on his best behavior to an extent when he came around, he wasn't really one to completely sugarcoat himself. So I think that uh, the athletic director did have a very good idea of uh, what, how the program was being run. And I remember a few years back, you had told me a story that he would throw balls at the managers too, right? That's right, yeah. We were um, very much a part of the team. We were no different than the players. We would, we would be uh, verbally abused similarly. We had balls thrown at us. And, uh, you know, I think I told you before, one thing they don't really tell you about that uh, – that tactic, that antic that he would throw balls at players and managers is that we were really able to, to catch it and throw it right back at him. And honestly, he encouraged it. And I think that's what he wanted. Did players do that? Did they throw it back at him? Yeah, there were, there were definitely oh, wow. times where uh, a player would like, he, he throw the ball and the player would knock it back at him, start, start cursing at him, start getting, getting into it with them. And, it seemed to give him a little bit of a rush. <laughs> he, he and he threw it. balls That's at you too, right? Yes, he threw balls at me before. Um, there were times where – there was actually one time where he made me get into a drill with the team. <laughs> oh, my God. How'd which go was a little you? bit – it was a little bit embarrassing because I was not in great physical shape. <laughs> but uh, at the same time – it was uh, it was very cool to be considered like part of the team and to be involved in that team like atmosphere. Uh, when I worked the one year for Fred Hill, I made it through that entire year. He certainly did not know my name at the end of the year. And Mike so, Rice knew uh, your name. Mike Rice was like a day to day. He would have some type of conversation with us. He might not have had might not have pulled us aside and had a, a whole talk every day, but he'd say something to everyone at some point of the day. He tried to involve everybody and uh, definitely had a lot more of a uh, team environment constructed than so uh, Fred Hill did. So, Sean, had you been one of the better recruits in New Jersey out of high school, knowing what you know now, would you have picked Rutgers, you think? Would you liked it, obviously, as a manager, but would you have liked it as a player? If I were one of the uh, better players in New Jersey, I probably would not have gone to Rutgers, um, more or less just because Rutgers isn't really known to produce any NBA player, any NBA talent. Um, yeah, true. But just like the coaching style, I mean. The coaching style, I think – with the aggressiveness toned down a, a bit, 
is probably very similar to what you would see in uh, major basketball programs around the country. So I think in, in terms of the way the team was ran, I, I don't think that would have been something that would have uh, deterred any big guys from coming. Uh, the year Mike Rice got fired, he actually had brought in a pretty decent class. Uh, Miles Mack was a, a pretty big-time point guard he brought in. from. He was from New Jersey. I believe he was like a four-star or so recruit uh, through ESPN. Um, Jerome Seegers was another guard we brought in from, uh, I believe, one of the Carolinas. But uh, he, he was able to bring in some big guys. Then he got fired, and uh, a lot of that team got dismantled. But I, I do think that they had themselves in a position where they were able to, to field some decent players. That's interesting. And that's interesting that you think if it had been toned down a little bit, you think it'd be similar to what you see at Villanova or Duke or Carolina? Because I can't see Jay Wright or Coach K or Roy Williams using homophobic slurs or re- shoving a player physically like that. Um, maybe not those guys in particular. Um, and I think you're, you're dead on with that. But there were certainly uh, coaches at the major programs that – uh, probably participated in very similar activities. I remember Coach Huggins, I believe was his name, for West Virginia. There was a game we had against West Virginia that we could hear him screaming at his team from our locker room. Wow. And uh, he, he, he was pretty um, theatrical and uh, dramatic on the sideline himself. And, and there are a lot of coaches like that. Um, it really comes down to player preference when it comes to are you able to draw decent players to that type of uh, atmosphere, that type of environment, because certain players respond well to being pushed. Certain players know that they, they need that. And uh, certain players kind of shut down when they, they get attacked by their own coach. So you – that comes down to really knowing your personnel. But, uh, yeah, I, the homophobic slurs, the uh, physical contact with players, that's probably not something that's very common. I think that is where he went a little bit overboard and probably the reason why Rutgers had no choice but to fire him, the public reaction to that. But um, I think the overall aggressiveness and the uh, – like the verbal abuse, that type of thing, definitely exists on a pretty high level around college basketball. I could see that. The yelling, maybe not so much slurs, but yeah, I could see that. Right, right. I still go back to the ball throwing, though, because what if the best player, he threw a ball at the best player, and the kid broke his finger? I mean, that would be terrible. That is something I've never actually thought about. Um, yeah, if, if that happened, he would have lost the job on the spot. I think, I I, I don't think there's any way around that, but, uh, that, that's actually a phenomenal point. I I never thought about the possibility of him injuring a player by doing that, but, uh, you could certainly jam a finger that way. Yeah. Um, never thought about it. One kid's head too, in the video. 
Uh, yeah, I don't remember that specifically, but it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, if I had a son, or when I have a son, if I have a son... Well, actually, let's be honest. My, kid, my kids are going to be spazzes like me, so I'll throw a different example out. I have a nephew. He's three, and he likes basketball, and he's fairly athletic already. So if he, was, he continued to play, if he got to the college level, I would hate to see him play for someone like that. I would much rather see him play for someone that doesn't yell and scream and throw, but still pushes him to be the best he can, in my opinion. And maybe that's because I'm a girl. I don't know. I obviously didn't have that type of coaching. Yeah, I, I completely understand what you're saying. Um, I don't have a kid personally, but I feel like if I did, I would probably feel somewhere along the same lines as you do about that. Uh, at the same time, what I always said about that situation, though, is that it's important to remember that he wasn't dealing with kids. They were 18 to 23-year-old men. And... Um, they were all very able to do something about it if they felt uncomfortable or felt uh, pushed too far or uh, he did something to uh, question their, uh, their manhood, I guess, or anything to that extent. But um, I, I do completely understand what you're saying about if you had a kid, that's, that's not the type of environment you'd hope for him to, to land in. For sure. So Rutgers Rutgers, since firing Mike Rice, has been much of the same, unsuccessful. Do you think if they had stuck it out with Rice, they'd be in a better position today? You know, I don't think they'd be in any, like, particularly better position. Um, When they fired Mike Rice, they went through tough times with uh, Eddie Jordan as the head coach. He he had a... uh, a terrible stint there in terms of his uh, record and their team performance. If I had to guess, they probably had a hard time recruiting two Rutgers after the whole Mike Rice incident. That definitely played a role in that. But do you um, think if they stuck with Mike Rice as head coach, they would have still had a hard time? And I think that uh, if they had stuck with Rice, they might have been able to avoid the absolute fall off that they ended up having. Um, they probably would have been able to keep together the team that they had constructed, um, potentially added some more talent to that group. I don't think that they would have overall really started to compete to the extent of maybe getting into the NCAA tournament or anything of that nature. Um, but they could have improved and definitely did better than they did during those Eddie Jordan years that shortly followed after. Though, um, since then, Rutgers has hired Steve Pickiel as their coach, and he seems to have a pretty good thing going on with them. They are trending the right direction. So uh, at the end of the day, they are coming together a little bit right now. I hope the best for them, and uh, I think, think that next year they might actually be able to get themselves a winning record. Yeah, I mean, this past season, they upset Seton Hall, right? So that'd be awesome if they could build off that and have finally have a winning record. Yeah, Seton Hall was always a huge rivalry. Those those two teams always hate each other, Rutgers and Seton Hall. Um, If if Rutgers 
could actually provide them some real competition every year, that would be incredible because generally it is one-sided. Uh, Seton Hall has been very good the past couple of years. They have uh, a guard named Miles Powell who is phenomenal, who's probably going to go to the NBA. Yeah, as a New Jersey resident, as you are as well, that would be so fun if that became two good teams playing each other every year. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, I remember when – I was working for Rutgers. We played Seton Hall pretty well. I think we generally split with them, but Seton Hall wasn't quite the team they are today at the time. So uh, that that would definitely create a fun environment within New Jersey, and uh, it would be it would be great for basketball in the state uh, on the whole if if that rivalry was uh, a little bit more talent infused. I'm here for it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> With the conference realignment and the collapse of the old Big East, Rutgers has moved into the Big Ten. Both basketball and football have been largely unsuccessful, and the money aside with those two sports, do you think this was a bad move for the basketball program? Yeah, I, uh, I'm not entirely sure what their options were, but I do think that it was probably one of the better moves they could have made. There is some real good competition in the Big Ten, I also think that uh, the the football program is definitely the bigger program and the the big brother on campus. So I think that yeah, and that's why the they football, moved to the Big Ten for football. For sure, I'd have to think that uh, that's what they had in mind. The Big Ten's huge in football, uh, Ohio State and Michigan, and uh, Wisconsin and all those teams. They have a lot of good teams there. But uh, they are still fairly competitive in basketball. And I think that if Rutgers move themselves into any more uh, competitive a conference, like AC- the ACC, they might have been a bit too overwhelmed talent-wise. So I think that uh, the Big Ten is probably right around where they, where they need to be. Okay. And actually, the sport that's probably benefited the most from the move to Big Ten was the wrestling program. They just got two national champions. Yes, that was. And actually, awesome. one of them, my cousin, is married into that family, so I name drop him, even though I don't really know him. <laughs> I mean, that's that's uh, what we do in life, right? You uh, you brag about the names you know and see what it gets you. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I I'm very happy for those kids. Uh, them being able to produce two national champions this year is absolutely amazing. Um, I don't know much about college wrestling, but I would have to guess it's not typical for a school to produce two national champions. So uh, big, big kudos to Rutgers this year for, for really uh, putting that program on the map. I remember even when I was in school, their wrestling program was fairly popular. Um, definitely isn't what it is today. Uh, and I think that them going to the Big Ten probably has a lot to do with that. I think Big Ten wrestling is real big. Yeah, so, it uh, is. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for them that they've uh, been able to really step their game up through that uh, transition and conference. So let's move it from the mats back to the hardwood. <laughs> Since the firing, Rice went into coaching high school boys, which is very odd to me, but he has had no issues. He found success at the Patrick School and is now going to be the coach at the new Princeton Arts and Sports Academy. He's become a great talent developer. Do you think he deserves another shot at the college level? Um, 
you know, I don't see why not if it's something that he desires. It, uh, to my knowledge, he's had no, no incidents or anything of that nature working with high school kids. Um, it doesn't surprise me to the least bit that he's been a great high school coach because he stood out to me as a phenomenal skill developer. Um, when I worked under Fred Hill, there is a lot of uh, team drills, work on team schemes, what we were going to do as a team, uh, scrimmaging, things of that nature. I saw Mike Rice go much more in depth when it came to the fundamentals of basketball and uh, skill work, things of that nature. So I'm not at all surprised that he succeeded there. And I think that uh, if it is something that he desires to get, get his feet wet again in the pool of college basketball, I don't see why not in, uh, unless he's uh, run into any problems recently with the high school players. I haven't heard of anything. I don't think he has. I think his main issue is what it looks like if a school does hire him. Yeah, and that might be the case. It could be bad Because, um, you know, I don't think I ever realized quite how big of a news story it was when he got fired from Rutgers. Apparently everyone knows about it because any time I bring it up to someone, oh, I worked for Rutgers, they're like, oh, did you work for Mike Rice, the guy who's throwing balls? I'm like, oh, my God, every, everyone knows about it. So maybe it would be a public uh, relations hurdle to climb. And for that reason, it is it is something that I don't foresee happening uh, again. I don't I don't see him coaching a team, but I, I would love to see him get the opportunity. I agree. I don't think it would ever happen, but I do like a good redemption story, and I believe in second chances. <laughs> and even though I yes. don't want my sweet little baby three year old nephew playing for him, it would be cool to see him get a second shot. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I believe in him as a motivator and as uh, a developer of skills. So I would love to see him get that chance. And I just have to throw this out there. Anyone in the Rutgers athletic department that's listening, if you have video footage of Mike Rice throwing a ball at Sean Dugan, please send it to me. I will pay <laughs> up to like $300. And then when I'm having a bad day, I can just put that on loop. Uh, burn the tapes. Burn, burn the tapes. <laughs> I I feel like they probably are on there. If I had to go through the video that's up on YouTube of him throwing balls at the players, I don't think I got hit with them, any of those balls, but I'm definitely standing on the sidelines. Um, I might have actually been behind the camera for some of it. Uh, I, I hope there's no tapes. Uh, if anyone at Rutgers is hearing this, don't give in to this. Burn the tapes. I'll pay you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay more. <laughs> All right, I'm done making fun of you. I do want to give you a lot of credit for helping with this podcast. Because oh, no this is our second all. time recording this episode. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, the first time we didn't have all the technical kinks worked out. That's all taken care of now. I didn't know what now. noise gate was. And now you do. And you're so much better for it. I'm grateful to have helped. I think you're going to do tremendous things with your podcast. I hope you keep it up. Oh, thank you. I, I learned you also taught me the correct way to have the microphone stand. 
I had it too close to my mouth, and the the peas, the bees were just not. They were like, "Puh." Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that there's, was a, there's a lot, lots of in, ins and outs to know. Uh, I've been around a microphone for years when it comes to either making music or recording podcasts, so I've I've learned a lot. Uh, thankfully, I actually have a little knowledge, so I'm uh, able to hand it along here and there. <laughs> The funniest part, too, is I, I did it at my parents' house that night. So I asked my mom if she could, you know, just be a little less noisy for 40 minutes. And as soon as we started recording, she starts banging dishes around. I'm like, Mom! She's like, what? I'm just doing the dishes. Is this too loud? It's like, yes. <laughs> All sorts of echo going on throughout the house. Oh, uh, 40 minutes is an inter- eternity when you have to be quiet. All right, Sean, I really appreciate you coming on and diving into this with me. And I'd love to give you the opportunity now to talk about some of the ventures you've got going on in your life. I think it's pretty exciting. Yeah, so I have uh, this basketball training slash consultation and uh, sports media business. It's called Bucket University. I work with... I appreciate it. Um, I did not settle on it quickly. I, I bounced ideas around for a long time about that name. And when I settled on that one, I was very happy about it. Um, I work with about seven uh, high school and middle school aged basketball players in Bergen County, New Jersey. Uh, train them all. Uh, for the most part, I'm training a lot of those guys free of charge. I spend a lot of time with them uh, on my own time trying to get their games right and uh, trying to help them get to the level they're trying to get to. All those kids really want to play college basketball in their lives. So uh, my plan is to help them get there. And at that point, I'll be able to market my skills as a trainer. And uh, I'm loving the process. I've loved the ability to help these kids. And I've gained some paying clients on the way, so things are looking real good. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you. I appreciate it. All right, Sean. Thanks again for coming on. And I'm going to see you later this week at your birthday party. Oh, you definitely will. And absolutely no problem having me on. If you're able to transport the microphone with you to my birthday party, where you can record this podcast for a third time. A third time. That'd be awesome. (laughs) We can get some of our friends on there. No, no. I I don't trust them, actually. That's not happening. (laughs) You going to buy me a drink? No, no way. Am I going to buy you a drink? Yeah. Well, no, I'm I, just kidding. It's I, your birthday. I'll buy you one. No, it's, I actually have an in with the, the uh, bar that night. I'm, I'm getting free drinks all night, so maybe I will get you a drink. Yes. Let's get it done. And make Vin pay for his own. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> no all right, freebies. Sean, where can the listeners find you? The listeners can find me on Instagram at Bucket University. One word. Uh, No underscores, nothing like that. Very simple, at Bucket University. All right. Well, listeners, that's the episode for today. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I sure did. Have a great day.